0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor, You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, blowing the trumpets with the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark, while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth. Until the day I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. So he caused the Ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about at once, and they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord, while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city.
1: We're going to come back to the story of Jericho in a minute. Before we do, I want to talk about prayer, and particularly as Mark Batterson presents it in the book, The Circle Maker. You know, prayer is much debated in the church and in religious circles um, concerning uh, how we should pray, what we should pray, where we should pray, under what circumstances should we pray, why. Does God answer some prayers and it seems like He doesn't answer others? Those are just some of the questions that we ask about prayer. But those who do pray know that prayer makes a difference in our lives. Prayer makes a difference in our lives. So what separates one prayer from another is the question. And this is what we're going to be discussing over the next four uh, Sundays. Um, there's going to be some study groups that are going to be looking at the book, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. I'm going to try to address the scripture that he deals with in, in, uh, in those particular sessions on Sunday morning. And to kind of give you an introduction and kind of a means by which to be thinking about uh, the reading that you'll be doing for those study groups. I hope that you're a part of one. If you're not... Uh, I've got plenty of room on Tuesday night, and I know there's some others. If you'll uh, pick up one of the uh, one of the sheets that has them all and where and when they're going to be meeting. Mark Madison starts his discussion of prayer with a story from a book called The Legends, which is a book about Jewish stories and Jewish faith. And in the book of Legends, there's a story about a man named Honey. Now, Honey was... First century B.C., he was a man of prayer, he was devoted, and frankly, he had gotten a little bit sick and tired of the religion of that particular day. The prophets were gone, there were no more prophets. The the practice of the ceremonies had become dried. They were rigid and judgmental. People were falling away from God. God. And so, Honi would not even go into the city of Jerusalem. He lived outside of the city of Jerusalem, and and there he would pray. He would pray over Jerusalem, he would pray over certain circumstances, and he was known particularly for his prayers for rain. Now, in the first century, there was a drought that threatened to wipe out the entire generation before Jesus. And so they went to Honey and they, they asked Honey, please pray. Pray for rain, Honey. Honey, please. God answers your prayers. And so outside the walls of Jerusalem, Honey took a six foot staff and he drew a circle. He drew a circle around himself and he twirled again and again and again and deeper and deeper into the soil. The, the rod would dig the circle. And then. After he had circled and circled and circled, Honey fell to his knees and he prayed this prayer Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your people. Almost as soon as he had prayed the prayer, it began to rain. Drops came from heaven as Honey's prayer was offered up to God. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honi wasn't satisfied. Still kneeling in the circle, Honi got more specific with his prayer, and he says, Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill the cisterns, the pits and caverns. And in that moment, the sprinkle turned into a torrent of rain that not only filled the cisterns and the pools, but began flash floods. The people retreated up to the temple mouth to get away from the flooding. And Honey was not done. Again, Honey prayed. "Not for such rain, I had prayed, O Lord, but for rain of thy favor, blessing and graciousness." And in that moment, the rain softened. And each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. And they, it didn't just soak up the ground, but it soaked the, sin, the skin and the spirit of the people of Jerusalem. This day would be forever remembered as the day that Honey drew a circle, a prayer circle, and would not retreat from God until God had answered his prayer. That's the beginning of how Mark Batterson talks about. The power and substance of prayer. For there is power in a single prayer. There's power in a single prayer. And I believe that God is looking for circle makers. God is looking for those who will pray with boldness and confidence. Who are willing to draw circles around themselves, and to pray, I will not leave this circle until you have answered the prayer that I have spoken. God is waiting for circle makers to pray prayers that seem impossible. For prayers that are possible, prayers that are easy, says Batterson, are insulting to God. (laughs) Because what those prayers indicate is a lack of faith. God wants to intervene in a way that we know that only through the power of God could this be accomplished. So, pray for the parting of the Red Sea. Or pray that the sun should stop in, its flat, in, its, in, in the sky. Or pray that a mountain will be moved. And God moves into action. The legend of Honey the Circle Maker stands forever as a testament to the power of God, and an example for us in our prayer lives to pray impossible, incredible prayers before God, that God might answer our prayers with miracles, God might answer our prayers in fulfilling dreams. For that is who God is. The bigger the circle we draw, the better. The bigger the circle we draw, the better. For God gets more glory when we can't take the credit. I promise you this. God is ready and waiting. While I, I have no idea of the circumstances that you might be facing, and I know that there's probably as many circumstances in this room as there are noses, we all deal with life. And life at its best is hard. But I do know this, that as we pray, God answers those prayers. Not always in the timing that we want, but God is always, as a friend of mine said, on time. And God does not always answer our prayers as we think God ought to, but God does answer our prayers. And God is waiting, God is waiting for those who are willing to pray bold prayers. Bold prayers. God is for us. And if we don't believe that, we will pray timid prayers. If we do believe it, then we will pray big, audacious prayers. I had an experience of praying a prayer. A few years ago, a young man came to my house to ask for my daughter's hand in marriage. Now, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. Uh, he was nervous because. He knew that I didn't like him. I thought he was arrogant and dismissive, and and every time my daughter broke up with him, I celebrated. You know, Um, so he came over to see me to ask for my daughter's hand in marriage, and I'm not sure what he thought or what he expected, Uh, but he he had it scripted out. I could tell he he was ready. And I said to him, I said, Alex, I know my daughter loves you. She's made that clear to me. And because my daughter loves you, I love you. And, and I want to tell you a story. Because when my daughter turned 16, I first read the book, The Circle Maker. And in the book, he, he tells a story of praying for his own daughter and who she would marry. And I said... I said to him, I said, I have been praying for the man that my daughter would marry since she was 16. Every day, at least once a week, I've been praying, God, please send the right man just at the right time for my daughter to marry. And I said to him, and he kind of looked at me like, uh-oh, I'm not the man. <laughs> and I said, I now have a name to go with that prayer, Alex. I will pray for you. Well, he, the fact that I said that I loved him, and now that I said that I'd been praying for him for several years, without him even knowing about it, I could see the tears welling up in his eyes. And, and so I said, yes, you may marry my daughter, and yes, um, I, I will support you and love you, and I want to pray for you. And I did. Now, one of the problems with Alex was that he was not a believer. He grew up in another denomination and for one reason or another had drifted away from his faith and, and he was very clear that he was agnostic, that he just simply did not believe in, in the Bible or in Jesus Christ as the Savior. And that was very troubling to me. So I continued to pray for him and pray for my daughter. And I even thought at one point, why am I praying this prayer? And then I was in Colorado with my daughter and her two small children. And around dinner one night, she says to me, Dad, Alex and I would like for you to baptize our children. I was shocked. <laughs> I thought, oh my. This is, I knew my daughter was going to church. I knew she was singing in the choir there, but I, I knew Alex wasn't going. And so I, 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 looked at, I looked at Alex and I said, Alex, I said, You know the ceremony, I'm sure you've seen it, and I will be asking you, do you believe in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to answer that question? And he said, yes, sir. Kaylee and I have talked about it. I'm ready for that question, and the answer is yes. I I thought I was going to bawl. I mean, I just went, (laughs) I I tried not to just look too shocked. You know, because and, and, I said, I'll be, I'll be happy to do so. So we planned the service, and we did the service. Everybody cried, especially when Alex took that valve of faith. I was off the ground about this high. I had prayed a long time for him. A long time. But God answered that prayer. God had promised to the Hebrews the city of Jericho. He had promised the city several centuries before and had not delivered on that promise. And then when Joshua was beginning to gather the promised land and establish the boundaries of the promised land, the promise came up again, and he was instructed to take Jericho. He went to Jericho and there he found the city that everyone had talked about that had never been defeated. Never been defeated because of the walls of Jericho. The walls were six feet deep. Okay? Can you imagine a wall? How difficult it would be to to break through a wall particularly in that day. Six feet wide and fifty feet tall. It had never been breached. And so God's instruction to The Israelites, as you saw in the the reading of the Scripture, was to march around the city one time a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. Now, I I don't know if any of you have been in the military, but that is not a a usual military plan. And And I'm sure that some of the soldiers thought, this is craziness, you know. I mean, why don't we breach the walls? Why don't we put ladders up on the walls? Why don't we build, you know, those big deals that come and you can crawl over the walls? Why don't we shoot flaming arrows into the city and and burn the city from the inside out? Marching around the city and praying? What good is that going to do? But they did. And I can imagine on the first day they were a little timid, on the second day maybe a little less timid, on the third day more confident, and by the seventh day they were marching with full confidence with their faith about to pop. It's on the seventh time, on the seventh day. And they had done so quietly, without one word for seven days. The horns blew and Joshua gave the signal and 600,000 soldiers shouted with one voice. And the walls came tumbling down. A miracle. Now, I not only look at that as a miracle for, for the Israelites, for the Hebrews, but as a microcosm for our faith. Because sooner or later, we have to ask the question, what is our Jericho? What is the wall that stands in the way of our hopes and our dreams and our expectations? What is, what is the city that needs to be breached for us to achieve what God has, has prepared for us? What is your Jericho? For... It begs the question, if we're really going to get in touch with who God is, what is your Jericho? What promise are you praying around? What miracle are you marching around? What dream does your life revolve around? Now, I'm going to ask those questions again. They're up on the screen. What is your Jericho? Do you know? What promise are you praying around? Are you praying around any promise? What miracle are you marching around? Do you expect miracles in your life? What dream does your life revolve around? Have you identified the dream of your life? See, drawing prayer prayer circles starts with identifying our Jericho. And then we need to keep circling until God gives us what He wants and what god wills or god reveals to us god reveals to us what is the direction that we should be going now for me the problem for most of us is that we don't get what we're what we want from god because we don't ask we don't we don't ask big enough We never circle any of God's promises. We never have written down any of life goals. Do you know there is a difference uh, between those who are uh, live nominally literally from day to day. Those who live kind of better than nominally have some plans for the future maybe including a new house or something like that. Those who are wealthy and then the ultra wealthy. Okay? The The ones who are nominal, they don't have any goals except to make it till tomorrow. The ones who have, um, uh, that are probably what you consider to be middle class, they have goals, okay, but they're limited goals. And then those who are wealthy have set audacious goals to achieve in their lives. And those who are super wealthy have written down their goals. Have you written down the Jericho, the walls, the dreams, the prayers that God has put before you? And here's the truth. God is for us. God is for us. God wants us to have our hopes, our dreams. But the question is, if we were to ask If to spell out the promises, the miracles and dreams that God has put in our hearts, I'm afraid that most of us would have to say that we don't even know what they are. So while God is for us, most of us don't have any idea what God wants from us. That's why our prayers are not just boring. They're uninspiring to God. If faith is being sure of what we hope for, then being unsure of what we hope for is the antithesis of faith. Well-intentioned, well-developed faith results results in well-defined prayers. Well-defined prayers result in a well-lived life. Honey, remember? He prayed the prayer, and then he refined it, and then he refined it. He kept kept working on refining that prayer into the most specific language that he could possibly find. And so here's just a little formula that you might try. And we're going to be doing this in our small groups. Read the Bible. There are promises in the Bible. Identify God's promises. Circle the promises of God. Define Your dream that comes out of those promises, and then claim your promise by writing it down. Read the Bible, identify God's promises, circle the promises of God, define your dream, claim your promise. I'm going to share with you my prayer for Stonebridge. Um, I've been praying that. God would not just add to our numbers, but that God would multiply, multiply who we are and what we represent in this community, that God would use multiplying factors on the people that we reach and touch. I've been praying protection over the property of this church, that God would would send God's angels to watch over us and to be with us as as we try to meet the future. I've been praying uh, for financial health for the church. That God will place within the hearts of all of us a, a sense of generosity. That that every gift, every dollar that is given is important to the ministry of our church. And that, that through that joyful generosity, we will not hold back. And by the way, that was a really dangerous prayer. Because I was praying that prayer this week. And you know what God said to me? I, I don't hear voices, but you know, I mean, I got this... This this weight on me. He said, it starts with you, John. And I said, what do you mean, God? He said, you need to increase yours. And I go, no, God, God, that's not what I'm asking. Increase theirs. He goes, no, no, no. Increase yours. Start with yourself. And you know what came out of that prayer? I, by the way, I started this morning by, by increasing. Is that I don't need you to invite people to church. And I'm not asking you to give more. If I can get you praying, God will do the rest. (laughs) God will do the rest. God God will cause a, a magnetic force to take place within the body of this church that we will not be able to hold people out. God will create a a generosity within this church that we will have an overflowing, you know, ability to look for ministries in which to help people and to change lives for Jesus Christ. If I can get you praying, there is no telling what God can do through us. I've also been praying for, for you individually. I've been praying for your spouse for your children, for your jobs. Some of you I don't know. I just I just pray generally. I try to put names with the prayers. Um, I've been praying for the schools and for the kids to pray that that you learn and that you grow. Um, I've been praying for protection for your households and for your commutes that God would would surround you with protection. Um, Those are my prayers. What are yours? So where do we start? Real quick as I close. First, be specific in your prayers. The more specific we are, the more detailed God can be in answering our prayers. The more specific we are, the more detailed God can be in answering our prayers. That's what, that's what Honey did. And so should we. Second, stay consistent. Continue to lift up prayer no matter what the results. Keep praying for the answer. Keep praying for the answer. My, my father used to say to me about prayer, he used to say, son, pray with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Pray and work as hard as you can for the dreams that you have for your life. And if... They don't happen, know this, that God has something better planned for you. Not something worse, something better. That you're not praying big enough. You're not reaching far enough. And third, be patient. God's timing is not always our timing. We may want God to act today, this week, this month, this year, but God has perfect timing when I, when I was in uh, Florida several years ago, I, was, uh, I, I wanted to meet uh, the, the pastor at the Fort Lauderdale Church, Christ Church, uh, Christ United Methodist Church, because of his, the books that he's written and that kind of thing. And, and I, I, it's, it's a long story how I got into seeing, but it was, it was really a blessing for me. And what I learned there was he said to me, everything we do is built on prayer. Everything we do is built on prayer. And I said, "Okay, give me an example." He said, so "You see that property across the street? Those, there's like three or four acres." He said, "That is the most expensive, valuable piece of property in all of Fort Lauderdale. In fact, it's the only undeveloped piece of property of that size." And I went, "Wow!" I said, "What are you going to do with it?" He said, "We don't know yet. We're praying." I said, "How long have you been praying?" He said, three years." <laughs> what? Three years. He said, yeah, that's a, that's a valuable piece of property. We want to make sure that we do what God wants. Be patient. Finally, a challenge. It's 21 days between this sermon and the final sermon. I want to challenge you to make these 21 days a time of prayer. To lift up your prayers every day. To put it in your calendar. Whatever you have to do. Whether that prayer is 30 seconds or a minute or or an hour to pray and be specific about your prayers. Be bold. Ask for something incredible before God with confidence and with faith that God will answer that prayer. And let's see what God can do. God is looking for circle makers, for prayer warriors, for people of faith. Will you join me? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day, for this opportunity. May you lift up the prayer warriors of this church. May we pray together. May we pray in unison. May we hear your answer. Work for us, oh God, for we believe that you are a miracle worker. In Jesus' name, amen.